So there are a couple Sundays of the year where the sermon, or what I like to call the message, is pretty much already written for you. The message of Easter with the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's an awesome story. It's a testament to God's grace. And the message of Christmas with the glorious gift of Jesus Christ to the world, a gift sent, as Scripture tells us, not to condemn the world, but to redeem it, to save it. So how can I or anyone else improve on that story? The job of a pastor is to share and teach and encourage and help lead and direct people to God. It's never to try to compete or outdo them. So Christmas and Easter have incredible stories and lessons for us. We take time the other 50 Sundays of the year talking about these two miraculous and glorious occasions, along with other lessons from Scripture. And we talk about how to apply them to our daily lives. There's so much wisdom and comfort, encouragement and truth. Uh, we can lean on these in times both of struggle and in times of abundance. Friends, I want to encourage you uh, to meet with us here every Sunday as we experience this together as friends and neighbors. Please join us. Now, Sherry read from the Gospel of Luke the story that we all know so well. Even Linus in the Charlie Brown Christmas special told the story from Scripture when an exasperated Charlie Brown called out, doesn't anyone know the real meaning of Christmas anymore? If we can't recite that story verbatim, we can probably paraphrase it pretty closely. We know who all the characters are in the story. The shepherds tending their sheep who became startled by an angel telling him what had happened. From Luke it says, And there were angels, or there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured the, up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the shepherds, and there were these three wise men, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. But when King Herod heard of this, he was very disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah has, was to be born. And they said, In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. It said, But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah. For out of you will become a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. 
As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may too go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Mary, there's this young woman who was approached by an angel and told that she would miraculously conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world. Let's take a look at that passage. Luke, says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Went on to say, even Elizabeth, her relative, is going to have child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And she answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And then we have this character, Joseph, a young man, a carpenter. He's engaged to be married. And this is how the birth of the Messiah came about, Scripture tells us. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he made it in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We can all agree there's only one star in the story, and pardon the pun there, but can you see how God uses others for his good purposes? Last winter I shared a message I titled, Who Am I in His Story? We looked at a few of the parables and the different but extremely important roles each person or each character had in them. I mention this again tonight as we look at the Christmas story because your role in it and its timeless message and importance and relevance even today and every day going forward, you've got a part in the story. And in the story we see, of course, we have this newborn baby Jesus whose birth was foretold thousands of years before the world knew that magical night. You see, the prophet Isaiah wrote, but the Lord will still give you proof. A virgin is pregnant. She will have a son and will name him Emmanuel, which we know to mean God with us. And scripture continues. It says, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Two weeks ago, we looked at who Jesus is to us individually. Do any of these titles ring true to you? Has he ever been your wonderful counselor, 
your mighty God, your eternal Father, your Prince of Peace. See, Jesus is the focus. He's the reason for our joy and celebration, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year and throughout our lives. But there is an important role played by everyone in the story. God used two faithful believers who are otherwise quite ordinary. He certainly could have come to earth in any manner of entry with all the pomp and circumstance that would rightfully announce the coming of the Lord. But there is a greater power in humbling oneself in order to connect with those you desire to serve. Jesus himself modeled this time and time again as he served everyone he came in contact with, the poor, the sick, the lame, the lost, the sinner, the criminal. Even those who knew him the best could be considered not only faithful followers, but his friends, these 12 disciples, he cared for them and served them quite literally. A few weeks ago when I shared the message titled, Who Do You Say I Am?, where we looked at who Jesus is, most like, mostly in the context of what he has done and what he continues to do for each one of us. There's a second part of this answer. It's the humanity part. And it speaks to the question of why come as a baby and not in some more glorious fashion worthy of the King of Kings. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, we find an answer. It says, since the children, that's us, we are the children of God, says the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Death, fear of death. That's, we have a lot of fears in life. And as Christians, none of us should look forward to death. But we should not fear it. We'll be reunited with our Father in heaven and enjoy all the wonderful things he has in store for us. And there are so many other things in the world that we fear. We fear loss. We fear rejection. We fear failure. Jesus has conquered all these things when he overcame the world. When we focus on him and not on these other things, we will not be afraid. Scripture continues, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And again, that's you and I. For this reason, he had, he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. You see, he couldn't give his life for us, fulfilling the purpose for his presence, unless he had first had one. Has anyone here made a mistake or a questionable decision, or tried to defend or explain it in some way, and just had exasperation to say, you just wouldn't understand. You had to be there. I mean, I've done that. Right, dear? (laughs) God's purpose in sending his son in the flesh to live among us wasn't to take away our excuse. It's to add power and the glory to the story. Jesus can comfort you and genuinely say, life is hard. I get it. I've been there. He might say, there are many struggles and temptations. I have faced them as well. He might say to you, there is nothing to fear in this world. Take heart. You are no longer slaves to fear. Jesus might say to you, there is nothing to fear in death. Take heart. I have overcome the world and conquered even death itself. And this comfort that he offers to you, he's also an advocate for you with his Father. The true gift of Christmas isn't the day itself. It's not even Jesus' life itself. As credible and divine as it is, the true gift extends well beyond that. It's just a part of the story, the start of the story. 
The true gift, the true gift, isn't just his birth when he came to earth for you, which he did not to condemn but to give you new life. The true gift of Christmas, it includes his crucifixion when he died as a sacrifice for our sins in order to reconcile our debts and make possible a real relationship with God. The true gift of Christmas includes his resurrection when he defeated death itself to show us that true life never ends for those who accept this gift. And what is truly awesome about this gift? You are still able to receive it today. All you have to do is choose to do so. At this very moment, Jesus is next to our Heavenly Father, celebrating with you, praying for you, weeping with you, and taking pride in you. I'd like to think he smiled right now as he watches his children gather together for fellowship and worship in his name and in celebration of this special occasion. As we discussed in last week's message, there's no end to the season that we call Christmas. So I'd like to conclude with a statement that I made last week. Our Savior's life is not a gift that was given by God with his expectation that we owe and someday repay him. He simply asked for our faith and obedience. And I gave the example of my parents who to this day when asked what they would like for Christmas still say, all we want is to spend some time with you and maybe a card. What a subtle and genuine reminder and example of that of what God hopes to receive from us, not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. Just some quality time and acknowledgement of what he means to us. And I said, friends, as you pack away the decorations and lights to be stored away for the next 10 months, don't pack away the most wonderful signs of Christmas. Joy, peace, generosity, and kindness. Give thanks to God for his glorious gift, which these things, there are no limits. They're always in season. So what do we do now? Will you be like the shepherd and watch with amazement and then sing glory to God in the highest and tell all about what you have seen and heard? Will you be like the three kings, the three wise men who have heard about this wonderful thing and wanted to experience it for themselves and sought it out? Will you let this gift change you and your perspective? Will you thank God for it? Will you tell others the reason you have for this great joy you have found? And as you ponder these things, I'd like you to consider one more. What can Golden Beach Community Church and I do for you? It's a decision. It's a choice. What you accept and what you believe. And times are tough. Times are hard. And it's so easy to get discouraged in today's world. I want you to know that you have a congregation and a community that cares about you, that prays for you, that wants wonderful things for you. And if we can ever do anything for you, pray or support you in any way, let us do that for you. If you need a gentle reminder of God's love for you or just some redirection, we encourage you to talk to one of us. Let's pray. Father God, here we are. It's Christmas. It's not the peak. It's not the, the apex of Christian holidays. It's just the start. And what makes it so special is not just the birth, but the death and the, re, the rebirth, the resurrection. God, we thank you for the gift of your son and all that means to us. We thank you for the wonderful generosity of love and the promise of grace. 
and the re-extension of grace. As every day we, we struggle, some days more than others, and every day your grace is renewed. So God, help us to choose what is right, what is honorable, what is good, and to always lean first on you. God, in all we do, we ask you to be a part of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we usually conclude our service with a circle, and we sing, God be with you. And it's, a, it's kind of a benediction song where, where we with each other, wish each other well. And we have another tradition on, on Christmas Eve where we, we light candles and we sing silent night, and that's what we're into this evening. But I wanted to do something a little different. Um, because we are, we're talking so much about Christmas not being a season, and if you, if you weren't here last week or the week before, let me know. I'd be happy to send you maybe a copy of the message you can listen to. But we talked about Christmas doesn't end. The gift of Christmas and God's love for us doesn't end December 26th. And so to do a little bit different with our symbolism, rather than having a candle, this light of Christ, and then blowing it out, we have glow sticks. Now, if you aren't, haven't visited very often, I've been known to give out suckers and marshmallows, anything I can do to get a little attention in people in church. But these, you know, I, I think it's really cool that, that you have to break it to make the light because isn't that what God did? And we would break the bread, we break the body so we can experience the love. But this is a light that you can carry forward and I think that's really symbolic of what we need to do this year. The light, the love that God has given us, carry it forward. Let's get in our circle and, and we'll sing Silent Night. And Sherry, if you'd hand those out.